Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm starting a brand new series. Um, I believe that God has led me to share on this, and I'm entitling this series Grace on the Mount. So I'll be sharing from the, the famous Sermon on the Mount for the next few weeks. But uh, I, I felt like I, I was supposed to call it Grace on the Mount. I think um, a lot of people, when they look at Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, they, they look at it from a very religious type of a perspective. They... they um, they, they, they kind of leave out the whole point and the whole point of who Jesus is and what his words actually mean. His words are spirit, they're life. Eternal life is knowing God, it's knowing Jesus. Um, I've had some conversations with just friends and coworkers about the Sermon on the Mount, just different things I, I know about it and um, how people, um, you know, look at it very religiously, but, but um, Jesus, Jesus, um, he's not a religion, he's the person. And um, I was telling someone how uh, Mahatma Gandhi would actually read the Sermon on the Mount every day for, for many years. And uh, he was a very dutiful person, but he didn't actually believe on Jesus and follow after Jesus. He practiced um, Hinduism and, um, you know, was a, a great leader, but, but he kind of missed the point. He might have, you know, observed the teachings of Jesus, but he missed the person of Jesus, and um, he kind of talks about, you know, there, there's an instance um, when he talks about he met a missionary who uh, went to a church in England and they wouldn't let him in because, because of the color of his skin, which is a horrible thing. But he said, that's why I wouldn't become a Christian. And that, uh, excuses like that aren't going to cut it when you meet God. I know it's very cold and quiet in here, but th- there is no excuse. The Bible says that, that, that all creation is actually without excuse. It's appointed for everyone to die, and then the judgment. So everyone is going to stand before the judge of all. And um, some of, some of, like, people love to make excuses, especially to, in today's culture. And, and like, they like to blame other people, blame situations, blame whatever. But, but we're all going to stand face-to-face with God. And you need to know Jesus. And it's not just enough to just... just no, no, you know, accept the doctrine or accept the teaching or you have to know Jesus and you have to have eternal life through him. There's only one way to the Father and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one way to really know the Father and that's through Jesus. There's only one way to experience God's grace. That's through Jesus. There's only one way to know the truth and that's through Jesus. And, and in today, today's culture likes to dilute truth. Try, tries to make truth a subjective thing, make it, make it kind of a gray type thing. But whenever you, you, you do that to the truth, you lose out on the grace side. And when I look at churches, when I look at uh, people who, who dilute the truth, they, they lack the power. They lack the grace. The, the truth and grace always go together. And here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I see, I see it just coupled together in, in, in the words of Jesus in his life, in his ministry, that truth and grace always go together. In everything he did, everything he said, everything he preached, everything he taught, every person he healed, there's always truth and grace there. So my first point is this, that everything Jesus did was full of grace and truth. 
And when you look to Jesus, when you look to the word, you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see the grace of God. You're going to see the power of God. I like what John said in John 1. You can turn there really quick, but keep keep a, a marker there at Matthew 5. John 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You, know, you, can't, you can't say you love Jesus, you follow Jesus, but you don't really believe the Bible. You, you know, I don't really, you know, you have, to, you have to accept. The word and Jesus are inseparable. And your love for Jesus is going to be reflected for your love in the word. Your love of the word. So it says, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I love this. And I don't, I don't know if, how far I'll get into Matthew 5 tonight, but Jesus actually goes into the law. And he gives six accounts of the law. And, and Jesus knew the law better than anyone else, better than any Pharisee, any Sadducee, any rabbi. He knew the law better than anyone else because the same finger that wrote in the stone tablets to Moses was, was the same finger of Jesus that wrote in the dirt. He, he knew the law better than anyone else. And he said, I didn't, do, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And I love that, that Matthew, Matthew, you know, in detail records this message at the top of, of this mount. I've been there in Israel. It's one of my favorite sites in all of Israel. And, um, um, I could, I, um, and one thing I love just thinking about it is, is just before what Jesus did before he preached this sermon and what he did afterward. He, he was healing people. And I think it's important to, to realize that Jesus wasn't just, just saying things. Like he was, he, he was full of grace. He was full of truth. He was full of the power of God. And, and let's go back to Matthew 5. And I want to just back up a few verses just to see what was happening before he, he um, you know, started his message here. And really he was preaching a message through what he was doing. He was healing the sick. And um, we see this here in Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus was going about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. This is what true ministry looks like. Teaching, preaching, and, and the power of God healing. There should be signs. There should be, there should be the power of God that's backing up the word of God. And this was present in his ministry. It says, then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So, he, so before he started this me message, when he walked up to the top of this mountain, he was healing just, just multitudes of people, all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. And I like what happens right when he concludes his message. He's going down to the mount, and this leper just pops out from hiding, probably because he knew he wasn't supposed to be among the multitudes. And you can look here at Matthew 8. Right after the sermon, 
And it says here in Matthew 8, verse 1, it said, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, I like that word, behold. Usually like behold, it means someone popped out. Like they, were, they weren't seen, they weren't visible, but behold. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put on his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. I like that he's kind of tying it back to his, his previous message on, like, I'm not destroying the law, but the law actually points to me, I fulfill the law. And when you go and fulfill the law, and you go and, and stand before the priest, it's going to point to who I am. It's going to point to who the Messiah is. It's going to point to who Jesus is. It's gonna, this testimony is going to say Jesus is alive, and Jesus is a healer. It's going to be a testimony to them. And, and Jesus proved right there, it is God's will to heal. That is the gospel truth. And again, if you deny truth, you're not going to have the grace to experience it. Truth and grace always go hand in hand together. If you don't believe the truth concerning God's will, his power, his desire to heal people, then you're not going to experience the grace side of it. Truth and grace always flow together. The truth of the gospel, the truth of the word, the truth of who Jesus is, it will always be coupled with the grace of God, the unmerited favor and power and will of God. Amen? All right, so I'm going to dive into Matthew 5 here, and, and um, my next point is this. After my first introductory point, which is everything Jesus did was full of grace and full of truth. Um, I, I actually love um, these blessings here. And um, God just spoke this to me, that there, that there is no greater blessing than to be blessed by Jesus. And I love that Jesus starts off this, this teaching now. He was preaching the gospel, he was healing the sick, and now he's going into a teaching flow. But his teaching flow is still full of grace. And we can see it right away because he just started blessing people. And there is no greater blessing than a blessing from Jesus. Hebrews 7 verse 7 says, the lesser is blessed by the better. And if Jesus blesses you, you can't, no one can take that away. There's no curse that is greater than that blessing from Jesus. And, and having a revelation, a revelation of the blessing of the Lord, it will change your life. It will radically change your life. When I was 24 years old, I got a revelation that I was blessed by Jesus. I was blessed by the Lord. I was blessed by God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, and it radically changed my life. I can tell you the exact scripture that I read, the exact moment I read it, and it, it touched me so, so deeply and profoundly. I, I wrote it, and I stuck it up on my wall, and it stayed there for several years, but, but the trajectory of my life radically shifted when I got a personal revelation that I was blessed by the Lord. And I think it's so important that Jesus, full of grace and truth, started blessing people. And God's blessing always brings about a promise. The promises of God are attached to the blessing of God. Religious people try to strip away the promises from the blessing, but the blessing and the promises are one and the same. This is really good. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is like one sentence that I think 
can, can shift a lot of people's perspective about the Beatitudes. People even, you know, it's become such a religious, traditional type thing, I think people lose sight of the person of Jesus, the, the relational side of who Jesus was, the power side of who he is. Religion will place the emphasis on your individual condition. The gospel focuses on the power of God. The blessing of the Lord will change your condition. Jesus will bring about the promise. That's really good. When, when a lot of people start looking at the Beatitudes, they, they just focus on the condition, the poor in spirit. I was even talking to someone who, who has a very you know, different background, and they, they just said, yeah, when, when I heard this taught from my religious priest, they said, you need to be poor. This is the condition we all must be. And this isn't, what, this isn't what Jesus is saying. He's saying whatever your condition is, when you come to me, you're going to receive a, a radical, life-changing blessing. Woo! Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you're poor in spirit, if you are down and out, if you are at your utter end, I have good news for you. You come to Jesus, and he will change things around. The blessing of the Lord, the blessing that comes from Jesus, will cause you to have the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not a religious thing. It's not meat and drink. and It's greater than the law. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. Maybe you're feeling poor in spirit, whatever that means. Whatever some priest told you, you have to be this. This has to be, that, that is not what this is saying, that this has to be your condition. Religion focuses on your individual condition apart from Jesus. The gospel focuses on the power of God and the transformation side of grace. The blessing of the Lord will change your condition. Jesus will bring about the promise. This is the promise for those who come to Jesus and who are blessed by Jesus. Even if you are poor in spirit, you will have the kingdom of heaven. This is the blessing. This is the promise for those who mourn. That you will be comforted. That when you come to Jesus and experience his blessing, it's going to change your condition. It's going to change your, your, your emotions. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your destination. You don't have to stay mourning forever. Your mourning may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The very first preaching that Jesus did, we call this a teaching, the very first preaching he did, he said, he quoted from Isaiah 61, 3, he said, I am here to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. He doesn't want you to stay in mourning forever. There is a promise for those who mourn, that he will give you the oil of joy, that he'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. When he shifts you with, with his power, with his grace, with his blessing, that's what brings glory to God. This is really good. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Man, that's, that's, that's quite the promise, that they shall inherit the earth. You know, a, a few weeks ago, I did a series on the fruit of the Spirit, the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. And uh, man, I, I loved what I said about meekness. Someone here told me that that was, that was the, her favorite message I've ever preached was the, my message on meekness. And meekness is not weakness. 
But meekness is the opposite of pride. And if you want to experience God's grace in your life, man, you have to get out of pride. It can't be about you. It has to be about Jesus. And this is the promise for, 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 this is a promise that we have through this blessing from Jesus that when you come to him, he will give you the earth for an inheritance. He's quoting a promise from Psalm 37, 11. Verse 6, this is powerful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man, people who say, I'm just a sinner. Man, have you, have you asked for righteousness? Have you thirsted for it? Have you asked? Man, you shall be filled. We should all be filled with, with this, this. Know that we're filled with the righteousness of God. If you've come to Jesus and really experienced his truth, really experienced his grace, really experienced his power, you should have a revelation that you are filled with his righteousness. If you don't believe that, 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 that you can be filled completely full, completely saturated with righteousness, it's because you don't understand the truth of what Jesus is trying, has done and has accomplished. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I want to obtain mercy. That kind of goes along with something else Jesus said about be careful lest you judge, because you'll be judged. The opposite of being merciful is being judgmental. So I, I try to, to steer away from being judgmental as, as often as possible, because I, I want to obtain mercy. I want that to be my promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that's powerful. We shall see God. I love the word that Philip Renner shared on Sunday about the angels in uh, Revelation. I don't know the exact chapter, but they had eyes just covering their wings. And he said he realized why they had eyes over their wings and why, why they were created that way. They weren't just created to worship. They were created to see God. And when you fully see God for who he is, it, it causes you to worship. You shall see God. God wants all of us to see him, to see who Jesus truly is. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I want to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. You know, when, we, when, we're, when we're called to be peacemakers, when we lay down strife, when we lay down contention, confusion, selfish ambition, and just put God first, and put his kingdom first, being a peacemaker, you shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, I have a, a friend I saw, she posted something. Um, she, she's a, a friend of mine from, from school. She's a harp player. My parents know her, um, did a lot of concerts with her. She was Jewish. And um, she tends to be a little more on the liberal side politically, but um, um, during this, you know, conflict between Israel and Hamas, um, um, she, she posted something that kind of struck me, but she posted uh, a statistic that the, the FBI came, with, came out with about um, hate crimes in America. And um, uh, um, 
And the statistics she posted from the FBI was that, that even though Jews only make up 2% of the population in the United States, 60% of all hate crimes that the, uh, are against Jewish people. Here in the, in the U.S. So I know there's a lot of hate towards Israel in the Middle East, but there's a lot of hate towards Jewish people here in the United States. And I, I, and I, I was kind of thinking about this, and um, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about it, but I, I think a, a big reason why there's such a hatred towards Israel, that, that, that spirit of hate towards Israel, it comes from the Antichrist spirit. It's a, it's a reflection of the Antichrist spirit, of the anti-Jesus spirit. Jesus was... was he was, he was Jewish. He celebrated Jewish holidays. He, 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 he lived in Israel. He ministered in Israel. He, he, and, and when he comes again, he's coming again to Israel. He's going to come to the Mount of Olives, which, you know, the, the, the Muslims have built a, a graveyard on the side of that mountain just as a reflection of their anti Antichrist type spirit, but that, that, that same spirit of hate towards Israel, it, it's, it's, it goes along with the, 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 the spirit of hate towards Jesus. And um, I think, I think as, as we get closer and closer to his return, we'll see how that Antichrist spirit, anti, anti-Israel spirit, anti-Jewish spirit really start formulating alliances. I said this a few weeks ago. Um, you should always be careful when you're in alliance with the world, when you're thinking and you're offended by the same things that the world is offended by. And um, we, here, here, fortunately, we don't deal with the same level of persecution that many Christians, many people um, around the world do, but it, it, it exists, it is there. You know, just, just a few days ago, I got a, you know, a flyer in the mail um, for, you know, the D20 school board election, which is going on. And um, it was a, a, a flyer that was against Derek, Derek Wilburn, who um, is a church member here. And it said, you know, Derek Wilburn um, is endorsed by um, religious extremists that are trying to dismantle public education, such as Truth and Liberty Coalition. That's Andrew Womack's. Um, Truth and Liberty Coalition that apparently is religious extremists trying to dismantle public education. And I just thought, like, this is completely absurd. And um, the, the, the two candidates who, you know, promoted that um, garbage, you know, one of them lives right around the corner from us. And he's, he's a nice person. He claims to be Christian, even though he professes not to know what Christian values are and how they would impact him being a, you know, over one of the largest districts here in Colorado Springs. Just, just be, be careful. That, 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 um, that, that spirit is out there in the world. And it's, it's, it's you know, God, God showed me this about the Antichrist in Revelation. The Antichrist is going to be thrown in the lake of fire. And that, that beast, that antichrist beast, which is what it is, the, the closer, it, like, it, it knows its end. It knows what's going to happen. 
And if you were to take a beast, take a wild hog and, and grab it by its legs and, and drag it to a flaming fire, the closer you get to that thing, it's going to start squealing and squirming and shouting and, and acting crazy. And the closer and closer we get to Christ's return, that antichrist spirit, that beast, it's going to start squealing. It's going to start yelling and, and just, be, just having very absurd behavior. And it's going to pop out, and it's, it's there in the world today, and it baffles me. That hatred towards Israel baffles me. It baffles me that, that, that it's becoming a normal thing. For, for, it, 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 really, it really baffles me. And I think one reason why people don't, don't want to acknowledge what, what Hamas did is such an evil, horrific thing is because, because that, that anti-truth, anti-Christ, anti... It, it, it wants to deny that there's real evil. It's hard. It's like, like this, this whole like deconstructionist, universalist thing that's out there. They, 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 there's no hell. And there's, there's really no eternity. There's no judgment. There's no... Just whatever you want to do is fine. Yeah. And, and this, uh, there's, there's, there's no devil, there's really no evil, you know. And just, just what is going on there, it's just, a, it's just a back and forth type thing. You know, Israel just had it out for them because it's, it's just a back and forth conflict. Uh, and it's just, it's just insane. You know, it's the occupation, like, Israel has not occupied Gaza since 2004. And since they left Gaza completely, Hamas took over. In one election, they won the election by, you know, 70%. And their, their charter, their, their literal charter, the literal, you know, Hamas exists for this, to destroy every Israelite, to destroy Jewish people, to kill, to commit genocide. So it baffles me that, that people see this as like a back and forth type thing. One side wants to completely eradicate. The, the, even in their charter, the, the word obliterate is used. They want to obliterate Israel. And, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why anyone would be waving a Palestinian flag right now. And, um, you know, I, I've been to, you know, I, I went to Israel, I went to um, Bethlehem, I went to a church there, and the, the, the pastor of that church is Arab, he converted to Christianity, a beautiful person, he, he's, he's for the, the, the state, he, he thinks that there, there's, he actually cares about the state of Palestine, but he also loves the state of Israel, and because he loves Israel, like, people try to bomb his church and kill him, and, and it's, it's just crazy. Um, any, anyways, that, that, you'll see that happen more and more in, in our lifetime. In the years to come, that, that anti-Israel, anti-Christ spirit will, will become stronger and squeal more and more. But we have, we have promises, amen? And like I said, just three days before that attack, I, I just... Just Israel was on my heart, and it came out when I was preaching just um, three days before that attack happened. I was just talking about how, how important I felt that it was that the American embassy was moved to Jerusalem. And that when, when a nation has an embassy, you, you, that, 
you know, it, the, the soil under that embassy belongs to that nation. So there is American soil in Jerusalem. And that's just so profound to me, um, you know, politically, but also spiritually and prophetically, that there is American soil in Jerusalem. That we had a, a president, and I, saw, I said these words, I don't know why I said but I said we had a president that had, that had the cojones to move it. And I, I, as I said that, I thought, why did I say that word? I don't know why. I've never even said that before. But, but just yesterday, someone called me. Pat Copples called me because he brought a first-time visitor to church that night who um, has never really been to a church like ours before. <laughs> and he's kind of shied away from, you know, the, this type of church. And he's been kind of shy about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. But, but something about me saying, cojones. Just, just like, it just flipped a switch with him, and, and he like wants to come back and wants me and Heather to pray over him and for him to receive the Holy Ghost, and just that, that word just made me relevant to him for some reason. I don't know why. And, um, you know, Pat Coleman, he talked to me for like half an hour just sharing the testimony about this guy and just what God's doing in his life and just how thrilled and how just amazing it is that he, he um, came, you know, came here at all and just... Just my message just really connected with him and just inspired him. He wants to just be all in for God now. And, and, um, and, um, and anyways, verse 13, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Man, I'm, I'm so thankful for the people of God. I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for, for local churches. I'm going to talk about that here just in a second. Salt, salt flavors things. It, it brings out the flavor. It brings out the truth of what certain things are. It, brings, uh, it, it also preserves. It keeps things from rotting. Man, if, if um, these religious extremists... Truth and Liberty Coalition, people who think we shouldn't worry about preferred pronouns in public school and worry about LGBTQ stuff in public school if they just went away. Man, just think about the, 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 the rapid rot rate that would occur if, if people with brains just ceased to exist, which is what happening, is happening to much of the world. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. God has spoken this to me from the first time I moved here about seven and a half years ago to be a pastor, that, that this church, Karis Christian Center, is here for a purpose, that we are a light that is set on a hill. And God, God has given us a light here in this area, here in this city, here in this state, and I believe it's, it's going to grow brighter across this area, but even, it has been, um, shining across the globe. That we're going to do things like this, this, we are here for a reason for such a time as this. And I'm so thankful that, that Karis Christian Center exists. I'm so thankful for, that for, for local churches that believe the Bible, that believe the truth, that, that, that tap into God's grace, the power of God. Man, we, man I, I think every believer should be connected to a Bible-teaching local church. 
Um, yesterday, I wrote an article. We, we um, have someone helping us with our website, and they said, for your website to reach more people, pop up on Google. Like, he's a charismatic believer, but he understands just how to make your light shine better, further in, in different ways. And, and he said, you need to write some articles. When people, like, these are, he has a whole you know, study on you know, words that people Google. And one, one thing that people Google on is, why do we worship God? And I thought, well, like, people are kind of asking, like, why do I even go to church? And, uh, and I kind of thought about me as a young man. Like, I, I was forced to go to church. Some of you may have been forced to go to church. And um, I, I just had to be there with it, whether I wanted to or not. And, um, but but, but I, I connected with the heart of why we go to church, even as a young person. I think I was about 9 or 10, but a, a family in our church, Kit Carson, invited me to go to a Colorado Rockies game. And I was so excited because in Kit Carson, there's nothing to do. It's like a town of 300. I, I, you know, there, there's not a whole lot for entertainment. There's no swimming, swimming pool there. You have to go to the big town of Eads to go swimming or shine wells. You know, to even, even, like me and my brothers who run through the, the football field sprinklers when they kicked on. We lived next to the K-12 school and we saw the sprinklers kick on. That was our entertainment was to go run over there and, and slide around in the football field sprinklers. And um, uh, anyways, this family invited me to a Rockies game, but it was on a Sunday, and Denver's like three hours away, and I had to miss church to go to this game. And my parents said, you know, Aaron, it's up to you. You know, you're, you're, we'll, we'll leave it up to you. This isn't like a, a huge decision. You're 10 years old. You can decide either way. And I just, I just thought about it, prayed about it, and I just felt like I was supposed to go to church. I just felt like, you know what, I, I really wanted to go to that Rockies game. And I just thought, you know what, but it's, it's important for me to go to church and um, I just, I, I just, at, at, at the like age of ten, I just knew that it's a priority to be a part of church and to go to church to honor God, however you can. And um, um, you know, later on, when I was eighteen, I I moved away from home. I, I no longer had, I no longer was forced to go to church and to sit on the front row of Caris Christian Center and hear Pastor Lawson preach. And. Um, uh, I was 18, and I, I could do whatever I wanted. And I, I moved to Pittsburgh, and I, I knew that that was important for me and my development as a believer to be connected to a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching, power of God church. And, um, uh, and I didn't have a car there in Pittsburgh, and, and it was really hard for me to find a church. And after about two months, I, 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 I tried out this church and. Um, I just knew right when I walked through the door, that's, that's where I was supposed to go. Just the Spirit of God told me, this is where you're, you're to be planted for the next four years. You're to connect here. You're to, to serve here. You're to, to tithe here. You're, this is home. And, and I just started crying when I walked through the door. Before I even met a greeter or, you know, saw if their coffee was good or what their music was like or if they had a young adult ministry or not or whatever. Like, just God told me, this is home. This is, this is my word to you. And... Um, um, I, I, I met this woman um, as I was like wiping tears away from my eyes and, and uh, I just told her, you know, I might have to leave a little early. I, I came here from, you know, campus and just there's only a bus that comes out here every two hours and it goes, you know, and I have to catch this bus or I'll be stuck out here for a while. And I, I know I have to catch the bus probably partway through the sermon, I don't know. Um, so forgive me if you see me leave early. It's not because I was offended or whatever. Like, um, and she said, don't worry about it, I'll give you a ride home. And um, it was actually ended up being the pastor's mom. And um, 
Uh, I, she, she's actually a really big deal. She, she was uh, high up in the Aglow women's ministry. She was over um, the entire ministry to Muslim women. And she led, I think, close to 40 um, Aglow tours of Israel. And just had a huge heart for the Middle East, for Arab people. Um, uh, just a great evangelist. And, and her and this other woman um, were kind of my grandmas and mentored me and always gave me a ride home. Um, so I didn't have to leave church earlier or have to, you know, do all the bus thing. It took, it took me an hour and a half to take two buses to get there. But I, I did that because I knew that, that God has a heart for the local church, and it's a big deal. And I remember I, I didn't meet a whole lot of Christians in school. as a very secular, very worldly, very ungodly environment, very um, just antichrist type place. And um, um, whenever I did meet, you know, other Christians, especially young women that I thought were cute, I, one of the first things I would ask them is, you know, if they're a Christian, I ask them, where do you go to church? If they said, I don't go to church, it was an instant no for me. Because to me, like, if you don't go to church, you don't really care. Your values are different, different than mine. And um, the, the local, as we get closer and closer to Christ's return, which we are getting closer to it, the signs are there. It's going to be more and more important like, if it, to, to, to connect in local churches. Amen. Anyhow, my, my, my little teaching article, it, it's less direct than I just shared with you all. You guys are here on a Wednesday night, so you're the cream of the crop. But, um, but I'm glad I, at the local church I met a woman who loves the local church, and she came here, and she knew this is where she was supposed to be, and she, she started serving right away, and, and um, you know, I dated her for a little bit, and she broke up with me because she wasn't so sure, and then, but because she knew this was where she was supposed to be, she kept serving, she, you know, God just broke made it happen again, and, and um, um, God's good, amen? Good things happen when you go to church. That's all I'm trying to say. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, verse 17, verse 17 here. Now, I love this next part. Um, he says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. This is one of the, the, the key phrases that Matthew really loves. So, something about the ministry of Jesus really struck Matthew. Matthew would say this um, several times throughout his gospel, that it might be fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled that it might be fulfilled. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that it might be fulfilled. Jesus, you know, went to Egypt, that it might be fulfilled. Jesus healed all, all, all these sick people, that it might be fulfilled, right? That which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. I don't know why any preacher, teacher, like, tries to say that, you know, met, Isaiah 53, verse 5, really isn't about healing. Because Matthew says, when Jesus is healing people, it's fulfilling this verse. So, like, when you, when you say stupid things, you get stupid results. <laughs> when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. If you, if you, if you preach against the truth, you're not going to experience the grace. That it might be fulfilled. So Matthew, throughout his gospel, he's showing how Jesus fulfilled the prophets. 
Here he's now showing how Jesus fulfills the law. He does something that the law couldn't do. And Jesus, uh, I'm going to talk about it next week, um, starting in verse 21. I'm not going to dive into it, to it tonight, because Jesus gives six um, different examples from the law, how if you just keep, keep the law, and he gives six examples of how if you just keep the law, it does not make you a righteous person. God's not so concerned about what you do. He's more concerned about why you do it. Jesus and his grace and his truth has the power to change who you are and to, to make you be who you were created to be. So it's not just like you're, you're following a set of rules or, or do this, don't do that. He actually changes who you are. He changes your very nature. And I'll get into this more next week, but like... And, and laws are fine. You know, I'm glad that there are laws for people like my dad who, who like to push the pedal all the way down to the floor. You know, I'm glad that, that driving you know, along I-25 here in Car Springs, there, there are signs that say 60 miles per hour because if there weren't those signs, I know that there would be people who would be going 100 miles per hour, 120, 100. It, it would happen. So I'm thankful for the law, but I know the law does not change Pastor Lawson and his need for, for speed, right? He'll, he'll abide it because he doesn't want the penalty. He does not want the wages of that sin of speeding. He doesn't want to get pulled over, lose his points, lose his license, have to walk to church, or he has to drive with my mom who drives like five miles per hour under the speed limit. That penalty is just too high of a price to pay, so I'll just go like six or seven miles per hour over and just pray for a little grace on those. And usually you're still within the grace zone there. Jesus, I love this because Matthew, Matthew really explains in detail every aspect of this, of this teaching that Jesus did because he's showing that, that, yeah, Jesus, he fulfilled all the prophets, but he also fulfilled the law. And, and, and Jesus breaks it down. Six accounts, how if you just follow the law, it's, it, it means nothing. Paul got that revelation. He said, I, concerning the law, I kept it blamelessly. But my righteousness, it was as filthy rags. I was a horrible person. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't who I was created to be. Jesus, on that road to Damascus, appeared before me and said, you're, you're going to be persecuted for me. You're going to preach the gospel to the Jews, to the Gentiles, all around the world. You're going to stand before kings and proclaim who I am. You're going to proclaim the truth. You're going to proclaim truth and grace. Do you not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets? I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of the commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So some people, when they, and I'm not going to, I'm already pretty much out of time. 
We're not going to keep you in another hour and go through the rest of Matthew 5. But Jesus is here in the rest of Matthew 5 and giving these six examples from the law. He's not adding to the law. He's not, not making the law more difficult. Going, you know, law, you guys had the law there, and now it's law 2.0, baby. That is not the point of what Jesus is saying. He is saying that the law does not change you. The law does not make you righteous. And his conclusion to that section of his teaching is verse 48. Be perfect. And he, he preached that message several times. Oh, you brought this, you interrupted my message here at the temple. You brought this woman and caught in an act of adultery. You want me to stone her? That, that law-writing finger wrote something down in the ground. If you're perfect, throw the first stone. You cannot be perfect apart from Jesus. You cannot be righteous apart from Jesus. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Without Jesus, you're, you're, you're nothing. But with him, you're everything. With him, you are who you're created to be. Amen? Let me make sure I didn't leave out any important points here. I, I, love, I love every verse from the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, I love every, every chapter, every book, every verse, every word. I love every thing in the Bible. I love the law because it, it, it points to Jesus. You see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament, throughout the, the, the law, throughout the books of wisdom, throughout Psalms, throughout the prophets. It all points to Jesus. I love reading the Gospels I love, because it all shows us who Jesus is, who he is, who he really is. And I love Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I love every, every account and how... how how they write it, how they see it, how I, I love it all. I love all the epistles because they, everything just demonstrates who Jesus is and our need for Jesus. Jesus did not do away with any portion of Scripture because all Scripture points to him and humanity's need for a Savior. Jesus is always the answer. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.